It's that time. Welcome to the Time to Man Up podcast. And here's your host, Sean Hess. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Time to Man Up podcast. Uh, It's October. And so I've got a sweatshirt on today. What's crazy is I'm in Florida and I'm probably not needing a sweatshirt, but man, it's October and it just feels like it is football season. It is bonfire season and there is nothing better than putting on a sweatshirt. And so for this episode, I'm going back to comfort, putting on a sweatshirt and, uh, I am excited about what we have for you today because when we think about the Bible, there's a reason why the Bible instructs us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Uh, The reality is for most of us men, we can be very quick to speak and not so quick to listen. And what we need to do is begin to be purposed in our lives when somebody comes to us. I don't know about you, but I instantly click into a solve it. And so when somebody's telling me something in my mind, I'm trying to solve it. I'm trying to figure it out for them. When the reality is sometimes I just need to listen and then help them work through it. But if you're a problem solver, you want to give it, here's how you fix that problem. But what I have always learned over my life is this, words matter, right? Words matter. And we can say that, but we really need to understand the value of the words that we use and even of the actions that we take. There is value to those words and to those actions. But specifically today, I want to talk about the fact that words matter, What we know is this, the wrong words, men, can be devastating, but the right words can be life-giving. What we find in a relationship, whether it be marriage or with our kids or with our parents, is that if we choose the wrong words, it can shatter those relationships, right? We can say things to our wife that we can never take back. Even if you ask forgiveness, even if you apologize, and even if they extend that forgiveness, you never forget those words that were said. But also in the same way, there have been times when someone has complimented me, gone out of their way to say something positive to me, and I am grateful for that, and I remember that. And often it was right at the time that I needed those words. Now, here's what's interesting. When I say words matter and that wrong words can be devastating and right words can be life-giving, but it doesn't mean that we don't speak truth, right? The Bible says that we are to speak truth in love. So in these words mattering, part of what makes them matter is that they are true, right? It's not gossip. It's not secondhand information, but what it's based on is what we know to be true. And so when we know of those things, we have to be willing to address them. So those words can be devastating or they can be life-giving. 
And we know that James doesn't have a lot of good to say about the tongue. We've talked about that in the past before, and we're going to talk a little bit more of that today. But I'm, I'm going to center in on one little area, and we'll get there in a minute. But growing up, I found out how much your environment influences the words that you use, right? I mean, men, you know that the environment that you are in influences, and I would say this, not only the words that you use, but your actions. So when I was with the right people, I usually did and said the right things. But when I was with the wrong people, I usually did and said the wrong things. When I think about those times, and now <laughs> to give a fair evaluation of that, there were times when I was with the right people and I did and said the right things, even though I maybe wasn't thinking or even wanting to do the right things. But when I look back at my life and I think about times that I did the wrong thing where my words came out and I really didn't think about what I was saying. There are two specific situations and I'm going to share those with you today and <laughs> they won't make me look very good, but that's all right. If they can help you guys, then that's cool. Uh, but they definitely won't make me look real good. And I know that a lot of times we like to tell the stories that we're the, we're, we're the hero in the stories I am not the hero in these stories, but the reality is, is they were time and periods in my life where my words, they mattered, but not in a good way. And so the first time I want to share with you is my senior year of, of high school soccer. And we were in a game and it was just the first half and, uh, just a couple fouls that had just got me angry. And I don't even know what was going on in the day. I, I have no idea what set that up. I can't remember anything pregame. All I remember is getting taken out and without even thinking, men, I took the Lord's name in vain. And I'm telling you, I have only done this one time in my entire life. And so I remember it pretty well. And I remember that the moment I said it, I was angry, I was hurt, and it just flowed out of my mouth. And like, again, I'd never said this before, and it just came out. And I'm guessing that I don't know how many of my players, my teammates heard me say it, but for them, they would have been shocked because I really didn't use a lot of bad language. But the minute I said it, here's what I felt like. I felt like the clouds, the sky was going to open up. I mean, because it was at night that we're playing. And I just thought that the skies are going to open up and there is going to be this fire that shoots down from the sky, from heaven, and it just consumes me. I mean, I thought that perhaps I had uttered my last words of my life. I was sick to my stomach. I knew what I had done, even if no one had heard those words roll off my tongue. I knew what I had done. And we're just in the first half. It was difficult to finish the game. I remember at halftime confessing my sins and, and just, 
I took some time when we were as a team, we had gone off to the end of the field and I just got alone by myself. Cause I was distraught, man. I was like, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. That's a pretty important commandment. And you just broke it. And as a young guy, I didn't doubt my salvation, but I was like, why would God want to send his son for you who just took his name in vain? So I confessed my sin. I know that God forgave me, but I could never take those words back. And it has lived with me the rest of my life because I know that on that night on our home soccer field about midfield, I took the Lord's name in vain. And some of you guys are like, man, we do that all the time. We do it daily. Uh, and so maybe you don't remember it like I do, but one time you remember that you don't forget it. But perhaps you have said something to your wife, to your kids, to your parents, or even someone else, a work associate, a neighbor. And the minute you said it, you wanted to take it back, but you can't. You want to take those words back. You you want that five seconds, right, from, from when somebody says it to when it airs on TV or whatever the time is of that. But you want that time to push pause, to rewind, and have another chance. But guys, we never forget those times that it happens. And the reality is, is that the people that we say that to do not forget it. Another time that I remember specifically when it came to my words mattering, but not in a good way, were uh, I built pools for a summer um, before my junior year of college. And I did it because uh, it was a good paying job. I mean, it's really sad. I think I got like $5 an hour, but it was like it was making bank back then. And uh, so when you feel bad, if you're only making $15 an hour, $13 an hour, just know that, that your parents, your grandparents, they didn't make that much. But again, things were a little cheaper back then too. But I worked with a foul mouth crew. I mean, I started out on the above ground crew and it was an interesting group to say the least. And rather than my talk elevating their talk, I found myself lowering my talk to their level when it came to my words. And also what I found is this. I found that the jokes that I told, the things that I laughed at, were totally not honoring, not pleasing, not glorifying to God. But what I found is rather than elevating them, to where I was, I was bringing myself down to where they were. And listen, that's not saying as a person, I was above them. It's not. What it's saying is this, that God's standard is up here and God's standard is what I'm aiming for. I'm not aiming for who I am. I'm aiming for who I am in Christ and trying to be more like him. But what happened is my language got bad. I mean, I was able to cuss with the best of them. There were still some words that were off limits to me. But I always think of the Bible when it says, if you offend one area of the law, you've offended it all. And so, oh, I had a couple words that I wouldn't say. 
and clearly taking God's name in vain was one of those. I had done that once and that wasn't a good feeling. And so I didn't do that, but I continued to filter my language at home. So my parents didn't hear it at church with my church friends. I filtered it. But when I went to work, the filter was gone. I mean, it was nowhere to be found. And I found myself moving more and more in the wrong direction, more and more away from God in the way that I talked, the way that I acted, then getting closer to God. And with that, a lot of other things took place in life that drew me further away. And so even when I returned to Cedarville University for my junior year, remember, Christian college, and I'm there just having a year of just uh, wallowing in bad actions, bad words, and I returned to a Christian college, and I already felt like I didn't fit there, and now it was even worse. And you know, no matter what school you go to, Christian, secular, whatever, you are going to find the people that do the things that you want to do. And I was still close to home, so I could find those people really easy. So I returned to college, and it was difficult, but I was slowly moving back to where I needed to be. And of course, that's the time when I lost a very good friend in a car accident. He passed away, and that was a come-to-Jesus moment that really got me back on track. Uh, I would rather not have to go through that, but it was a major moment in my life. And so that was a, a growing period in my life. And I'm grateful for those lessons that God taught me, no matter how difficult they are. I don't want to go back, but I'm grateful for those lessons. But that wasn't the last of my battle when it comes to words, men. I continue to love sports. And when I play, I compete no matter how good or how bad I am. I mean, I love hockey, fellas. I love playing hockey. I'm usually one of the worst hockey players out on the ice when it comes to adult leagues. And, and that's really pretty bad. Uh, but I will go out and I will compete and I will give everything I can. But even in adult non-check hockey, there are still people that get out there and hit. And there have been times when I got hit and I was a pastor. And the first thing that came to my mouth wasn't Jesus loves you. And I wanted revenge, and I had to really count to 10 right before you say or do anything. And uh, But when it comes to sports and my competitive nature, I had to be careful with that because that was a place that Satan knew that he could try to get in there. And I had to remember the importance of my words and my actions. But there have been times, men, when I am thankful that you or anyone else was not able to get into my mind and know the thoughts that I thought. Know the words that I thought, but I didn't say. And as if that was less, right? You know, if you're saying it in your mind, even though it doesn't come out of your mouth, you have thought it. We're not going to get into sins of commission and omission, uh, but there are things that we do. And then there are things that we think of, and there's no different. It's sin is sin. But fortunately, those struggles from the past helped me have more victories than defeats when it came to my words. And perhaps my, my struggles from the past are why I have little patience for what I really want to talk to you about today. And that is this. 
when Christians, believers, followers of Christ have their own version of Christian cuss words and they think it's okay. For instance, they'll say, gosh, and I know that we can act like it's like, oh, shucks. And someone will say, gosh, darn, or gosh, dang. And I'm like, okay, why do we say, gosh, darn? I know what it sounds like. And trust me, I'm not saying it because I already did it one time and thought the sky was going to open, right? But why do we say that? I once preached a sermon in one of my previous ministries on Christians taking the Lord's name in vain. And I can't draw the conclusion for you, but I believe that when we substitute and and we don't want to say God's name in vain, and so we'll say, gosh, darn, what's the difference? God knows the intent of your heart. God knows what you're thinking at that time. And I'll even see some believers put OMG in their social media post. Oh my God, is that like in a glorifying way? Oh my God, you're so great. Or is it using it in a way that's inappropriate and using God's name in vain? Listen, I'm not drawing the conclusions for you. You've got to do that. My conclusion is that it steps over the line. And when we say gosh darn or gosh dang or whatever we want to put it for, we are substituting that. I have heard people say this. Heck, now listen, I taught my kids, hell's not even a bad word. If you say go to hell, man, that's pretty harsh, right? But the word hell is found in the Bible. It's a word that when we talk about heaven or hell. But when we say what the heck, you're saying what the hell. And that's not saying it in a good way. But believers will say that and be okay with that. Or they'll say this, what the freak. Guys, I I mean, there are sometimes when I think for a Christian, just say it. I mean, you're not hiding it from anybody. What you said when you said heck or freak, we know exactly or shoot. I mean, the list goes on and on of the words that the Christians try to hide their uh, poor usage of words, right? And, and they claim, oh, well, it's not as bad as saying, why not? So I want to share a verse for you that changed the way that I use my words. And it's a verse, three verses that stuck with me. And help me stay on track, even when perhaps I'm in a situation and I'm not thinking godly in the way that I want to respond. And that's in James chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. And he's just coming off talking about how the tongue can't be tamed. And I don't want to get into that, but it's not a good situation for us, fellas. And then in verse 10, it says, from the same mouth come blessings and cursings. So guys, what it's saying is that you're going to church and you're praising God. You're driving down in your car and God's provided for you and you're celebrating and you're at home and you're telling how people great God is. But then at the same point, you're 
cussing out the person that just cut you off on the road. You're angry at somebody for what they've done or said to you. And you're going to, I mean, some people, they go to church and they're fighting with their wife. They're fighting with their kids. And then they walk into the Holy of Holies once they walk through the doors of the church and they're worshiping God with that same mouth. That's just one area that really bothers me. And again, I think it's just because of what I've been through. But men, we have to make sure that that we understand that blessings and cursings cannot come from the same mouth. Because here's how that verse ends. He says, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. That mouth that you are putting blessings out should not be the same mouth that you're putting cursings out. And I love this, verse 11. This is the one that always sticks with me. Does a spring pour from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Come on, James already knows the answer. He's like, duh, guys, tell me the last time you went down to the stream to get some some fresh water and you got salt water. It doesn't happen. In the same way that when I'm out in the ocean and I love to snorkel, I love to bodyboard, I love all that stuff. And so we always talk about where are we going to go to the, what what beach are we going to go to? And I always am a fan of the Atlantic side because of the waves. I think my wife more likes the Gulf side because of the sand and all that. Uh, And I think she feels a little safer from sharks over on the Gulf side. Whereas me, I'm like GoPro snorkel, bodyboard, whatever it is, and danger, that's awesome. And so when I swallow water by thinking maybe there's a fish near me or something, or I wipe out and and face plant into the ocean, salt water is disgusting, right? I don't go down to the ocean and think, man, I need a refreshing drink of water. I'm going to get some ocean water. No, it's horrible. And so that fountain that is our mouth, it can't pour out blessings and cursing. It can't pour out fresh water that praises God, that's clean, that's pure, and salt water, dirty water, water you can't swallow. And then he goes on to say, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Just in case you couldn't figure it out, fellas, James is going to give you the answer. These things cannot happen. Which means what to a believer? I cannot allow the things of the world to flow from my mouth throughout the week and then expect to worship God on Sunday. I mean, guys, it's hard when you are focusing on trying to do the right things. I could just let it fly and let it go and and not live in the spirit and do what I wanted Monday through Saturday and then come. But listen, when I took the Lord's name in vain, perhaps nobody heard me. But do you know all that matters is there is one person that heard me and that's God. And that's all that matters. He's the one I stand before. He's the one I love. He's the one I answer to. And so we need to understand, people need to know 
that I'm the same person Monday through Saturday that I am on Sunday. Because we've all seen those people, and maybe we've been those people, that you know how they live life, and then they come to church and they act like they're like this holy, righteous person. And you're like, dude, I, I watched you all week. I've listened to your language. I've seen your actions and it doesn't align. I've seen the way you talk to your wife and to your children. Uh, you're absent in your children's lives. How can you come and do this? Now, listen, I'm not a perfect man, but I do my best to live in a manner that glorifies God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink the basics of life, whether you do the basic things of life, do it all for the glory of God. That means this, words matter. Words can be devastating or they can be life-giving. Words can glorify God or they cannot glorify God. So do your words bring glory to God? Do your words point people to God or do they become a stumbling block that keeps people from God? In my youth, my environment often influenced my words and my actions. As an adult who is now stronger in his faith, I now do everything I can to influence my environment. I actually like going into the world where I can be an influence. I want the lost to recognize that I'm different. I want them to apologize when they use bad language around me, right? I want them to feel uncomfortable when they are talking about inappropriate things, when they were telling those jokes that really aren't appropriate. I want them to feel uncomfortable. If they are uncomfortable, well, let me say this. If they're comfortable doing it around me, then perhaps I haven't done my job as salt and light, right? If they're comfortable, then perhaps I am not being the testimony of Jesus Christ that I need to. So I want them to apologize. I want them to stop in the middle of that inappropriate statement and say, man, I'm sorry. I want them to know that I'm different. If they become so casual with me and think that I'm okay with it, and just do it without an apology, then that's more of a concern for me in the way that I'm living my life. God has called us to be in the world, but not of the world. This is going to be more important, men, as the years come. It's not going to get easier with time. We need to set ourselves apart from the world and not blend in with them. I've always loved the song Jesus Freak by DC Talk. Because it was released at a time that I was going through these challenges in my life, having worked at the pool company, having God doing some amazing things in my life and, and committing my life to God. Guys, I stopped caring what the world thought of me and more about what God thought of me. My desire is to hear God say to me, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right, He said that to Jesus when he was baptized, and I want him to, to, to see me, and I want him to say, Sean, you're not perfect. You mess up a lot, but I am so pleased with you. Keep up the good work. I want to stand before God uh, when I die from this earth or Jesus returns for me, and I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I would hate to see the record of my wrongs, guys. I would hate to see it. I'm thankful that by grace, through faith, that we have access through Jesus Christ to heaven. But I never want to forget our words matter. And they should cause us to stand out from the crowd. And perhaps that's going to make people think that we're a Jesus freak, that we're weird. Well, You know what? Bring it on. I would rather stand out for God than blend in with the world. I want people to know that I love Jesus. And I don't want to hide that back. And if they feel that they need to say sorry for speaking and acting in ways that are inappropriate just because I'm a Christian. Well, why do they feel that way? Because of God, not because of me, but because of God. Men, I leave you with this. It is time that we begin challenging other men when it comes to their words, when it comes to their actions. We need to challenge men to understand that their words matter as do their actions matter. And that fresh water and salt water does not flow from the same fountain. We can't do the things we want Monday through Saturday, say the things we want, do the things we want, and then come on Sunday and actually think that God is pleased when we worship him. You know, sometimes I see guys not singing, and I think usually it's because they don't want to hear have people to hear them singing. And uh, we've been at a church right now that plays loud music. I like that because you can sing as loud as you want and uh, as off key as you want. And the only person that hears you is you and Jesus, right? <laughs> you and God. And uh, I like that. But some men aren't singing because they know how they've lived Monday through Saturday. When they come on Sunday... Because they're real, they can't do it. Men, we need to be challenging other men in this area, and we need to not be afraid to ask those questions and be asked those questions. Men, the challenge is this. It's time. It's time to man up. Remember, words matter. Have a great day, guys.